Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Nathan Young. Nathan is the founder at Find Your Audience, where he leads teams of marketing managers, graphic designers, media buyers, coordinators, and freelancers to develop and implement marketing strategies for organizations. With over 19 years of experience in marketing and a decade advising B2B businesses, Nathan has played a pivotal role in helping numerous companies build their marketing teams from scratch, transforming them into powerhouses in their respective industries. Nathan took his experiences in finance, management consulting, and marketing to design and build a marketing service that solves common marketing problems. Today, Nathan directly acts as a fractional CMO for medium-sized businesses for finance and entertainment, healthcare, software, and real estate, focusing on positioning, pricing, advertising, media, promotions, and profit and loss management. Today, Nathan and I are going to be chatting about how to build a marketing team from scratch and understanding performance media buying and the level required to perform it well. We'll learn what works from Nathan's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Nathan, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Stacey. Well, what I'd love to do is start off by you sharing how, in your long and storied career, you have now founded a company that is solving a major issue that a lot of companies have, which is how to efficiently run their marketing without necessarily having an in-house giant marketing team. Can you share how you got started and what led you to here today? So I think it was really, um, my time being a consultant for companies was really frustrating. I would spend countless hours analyzing, identifying opportunities, identifying white spaces for companies to move into, some of which really, really, really leaned on marketing requirements, like especially on communication plans. And what I had got really just overly frustrated with was I would build these, you know, amazing plans and, and no, they're just not like McKinsey things. They're not just like million dollar fancy things. They're really plans that I really wanted to see implemented that I genuinely believed in. And they would hand them off to people who, you know, I'm not going to say were incompetent, but certainly were not able to drive desired outcomes. And then that would reflect on my performance. So they go, hey, Nathan, you know, like we worked with you for a year. You've done all this great work. But, you know, it didn't really do well. I was like, well, did you look at the work that of the people that you hired? And did you see the quality of what they accomplished? It wasn't very good. So it's not it's 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 not it, it, it was never getting done properly. And I didn't feel good. And so I started just realizing there's this natural gap with a lot of organizations. And a lot of that gap really comes from the fact that marketing art is being driven by people who have no marketing experience of which actually most of their experience comes from marketing speak, meaning they're actually being sold on the marketing speak of which we are selling as great marketers, which is truthfully selling you quick fixes when they are, but not always. And and, and I think that really misses the mark in how much experience is required for you to implement things properly. And so therefore, I just started seeing this big gap, right? You have strategies, and, and you have advisory work and then you have implementation and you're getting someone implementing like essentially consulting work with with no experience. And that just led to bad outcomes. 
And that happens a lot. I think that in general, you have, especially on those smaller companies that are launching or that just don't have a CMO in place, who don't have a true marketing strategy, they think they know what they want. They think they know, you know, oh, well, we should do traditional advertising. We should go in and do, you know, Facebook ads without necessarily knowing if that's going to reach their core consumer or business target that they're going after. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I and I always joke about it. There's always going to be someone at the table that goes, hey, we should be doing TikTok. And then you go, well, who who exactly is doing the TikTok, first of all? Right. And it's just like it's so easy to suggest these things. It's so much harder to actually go through the exercise of like, what does that actually look like in our organization? And what is it going to cost us? Because yeah. that's the big part. That's like the surprise always. It's like you want all the bells and whistles for a marketing plan. And then you look at the actual true human cost of putting those hours together. And it makes you want to switch things off sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's so easy for us to just kind of really underestimate all the costs, right? People are like, oh yeah, just use chat GPT or use a new AI tool. And you go, well, you you know that the AI tool produces good things, but you know it's not the best, right? Like it's you still have to have manual work in order for that to be a usable product. And, and I think, you know, even more because of the AI and the advent of AI recently, it's become worse. Like a lot of people just think it's like, oh yeah, just, just pay 79 bucks a month. And look, we've got like a brand new person who can do motion design. I was like, no, you don't. You have like something that looks like it's done by a robot, but that's what you have. But it's, it helps you get there. I mean, to, yeah. to support AI, the tools are fantastic. If you actually know what you're doing and what the outcome is supposed to be, we just ran something where we're updating um, a lot of blog imagery. And so we put a contest out on one of the, on a freelancer, a site freelancer.com actually. And I thought we were very specific in what we were looking for. And then seeing what we actually got back <laughs> was like, hmm, well, you, you use the AI tools in the right way, but you needed to actually then blend it in with Photoshop and you needed to actually take some talent of your graphic design eye and make it a little bit better. So it can speed things up, but AI is certainly not the solution of doing it for you yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it will be one day. Yeah, I would say one day. I'm going to say two two years, you're going to start seeing AI really hit the mark for certain industries. Yep. Um, but you know, like I've had some clients recently be like, oh, we can do, we can do video with AI. I was like, you can nope. do video, but it's going to look like the video you get from like the movies in the eighties where they try to interpret like AI, where it's, it's like, hello, sir. Um, so you're not going to get that for a little while. Yeah. I started on Friday. Actually, I made my Friday night, my dive into the talking head videos with AI voice generation. We're really far off from where that's actually yeah, they're frightening. done. <laughs> they're frightening. They look like they, yeah, like they're, they're staring into your soul. Like they're, they don't look friendly at all. <laughs> Not at all. If you want to make it look like you, you're going to have quite a long wait. Yeah. And to put it in the perspective for any viewers, it's like, it's like, you know, like those dystopian movies where they're going to jail and then like it's futuristic and then they have someone talk to you. Like that's, that's the feeling of talking heads right now. It's like dystopian jail, welcome to the jail kind of feel. Yeah. And then you're staring at the mouth so much, trying to see if it actually looks like it. And it's just a little yeah. off. Yeah. But it's close, but it's a little off. Yeah. So it's like a foreign film that's been translated. That's a little off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, so AI is, is great. But, you know, like, again, we, all these people that are non marketers are just like, oh, these, 
these things solve our solve all of our pain points, which is the bane of our existence as marketers. We do such a great job saying that we can solve things that that unfortunately that actually translates back to our job. Yeah, and really, where and I don't want to get too far down the hill of AI, um, although we could. What I love about AI, like we're using it a lot for content creation textually, like whether it's a blog, you know, outline that's getting you started or helping you build examples out for case studies or taking what you've already written and writing an intro to it or a summary of it or creating a meta description, um, which is really great for or condensing it for social media posts. And as long as you actually have the intellect and insights and knowledge to be able to look at it and decide if it's total BS or if it's close enough that you could just tweak it here and there to make it yours, then it's really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I say this to people all the time, AI is going to read 1 million times faster than you can probably. Um, and, and the, and, and consume information 1 million times faster than you. So summaries or anything where, where you're looking for salient points from, a body of text, yeah. it's going to do faster than you by, 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 a, you know, by magnitude. Yeah. Um, and, and I certainly think that's a very good use case for it today. Yeah. Okay. So you join as a CMO, fractional CMO for these companies. What does that mean? What it means a lot of the times is setting a baseline. Um, so actually, no, let me take that back. It's two baselines. One baseline is what is this industry? What are we doing? What are we selling? What does the sales cycle look like? Who is our TAM? Who is our ICP? And for those that are listening, they're going to be like, well, that's like CRO or like sales work. Well, well it's very much also my work, right? Because my goal is to, to amplify sales, amplify revenue. Um, and then the, the other part is just setting a baseline of like, what is the baseline? What are we doing today? Um, so I think uh, the way I like to go uh, about it is in the sense of questions. It's like, where are we today? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And how much is it going to cost? And those are generally the four questions that I want to answer when I go into an organization. And that means that I'm doing a ton of auditing work, mm -hmm. uh, which means I'm going through historicals. I'm going through the website. I'm going through any data that they hopefully have been connecting, collecting. Um, but, you know, realistically, again, it's it's just getting that baseline so I have a sense of what's going to be their priority. The biggest difference between me and I feel like most marketers is I don't come in prescribing ideas. I think that's the one thing that I feel that a, mar a lot of marketers do because they feel very passionate about what they've specialized in. So whether they have been very successful in email, whether they have been very successful in demand generation, whether they have been very successful in pay-per-click ads, they always seem to come in with this prescription. It's like, this is what we need to do. Right. I'm very much against that. Um, I go in with this idea of <clears throat> here are the constraints, both on a capital and on a on a uh, so a financial capital and a human resource capital perspective, here are the constraints of the category. Here are the constraints in the sales process. When we look at all these constraints, what is the biggest priority that on a marketing perspective that I can drive that's going to drive a material impact in that organization? And that might be email. That might be SEO. That might be a new website. 
but it's really whatever is going to be the biggest, most material change today versus coming in with this idea where it's just like, okay, this is what I do well. This is what we have to do. And I, and I really don't believe that that works for every organization. Where do you find the conflicts are with stakeholders and companies when you're joining as a fractional CMO? Um, the, well, basically the exact problem that I talked about before, you have a whole bunch of people who are not marketers trying to be marketers. And so generally speaking, you have a lot of chefs in the kitchen. Um, so, so where do I see a lot of the pushback? A lot of the times I see, I see the pushback is really just, you have a whole bunch of people who want to be involved in the process who are, who should not be involved in the process. In fact, they actually need to remember that they are so involved in that process that they are probably the worst person to be asking advice from. Um, and you'll see this time and time again with a lot of technical founders where like, this is what the copy needs to be. And it's like, no, that copy makes sense to you um, and maybe your peers, but it, it really doesn't make sense to anyone else in your ICP. So that's really not the direction. And they will push back and they will say, well, no, 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 that this is what we're doing. It's like, I know that's what you're doing. And I know on a technical standpoint, that's what you're doing. But unless you want to educate customers on what that means. On, yeah. And spend a whole bunch of time and money on video assets just to educate, or you can just rephrase it. Right. And, and so, so I think that's like the biggest pushback we tend to get. It's always based on the communications because everyone thinks they're a marketer. Everyone thinks that they know exactly. And I always go back the, the best place for you to find your language uh, the language that's going to push the product is through a product marketing and sales feedback loop, right? Constantly talk to your sales team, constantly iterate the language that's being used in those conversations. That's going to be far better than just, you know, kind of saying, well, this is what I think works. Um, and I think that's something that any organization can really do. And I feel like a lot of organizations really miss the mark in, in getting that feedback loop from sales conversations into marketing. Well, you also now have ChatGPT where you can feed it in and say, dumb it down and find out if you get back something that is totally different. And you can say, look, even an AI robot thinks this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, or, you know, just go back to surveys and just even get a survey done, right? Yeah. We recently did a survey for a logo and the, the principal was very set on the perspective that it was very representative of their market and it was very not. And, uh, and, and you know, it took the fact that we have to do a survey to prove that um, and, and that's the unfortunate part, but you know, that, that kind of just goes back to this point. You have a lot of people who think they're marketers and, and they just really aren't. And so when you're working with these marketers who are not marketers, how do you get them to feel supported and heard and understood enough to hand off their baby to you to run with? So that's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. Thank you. And I think the biggest challenge you're going to get is them being heard. Anyway, it's, it's, it's almost is my phone making this noise. I really don't know what it is. I've never heard it before, but seemingly, isn't that lovely? Yes. <laughs> um, being, being, being heard and, and having them feel heard is difficult because if you're hearing them, they have the expectation that you're going to drive what you have heard. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really no way around that because some of this is like literally verbatim one-to-one -one copy, right? Sometimes they're literally like, you need to use this word. And in situations like that, what I would really recommend is kind of just an old age kind of perspective on management. Mm -hmm. You can't 
have someone succeed unless you give them an environment to succeed in. If you are prescribing constraints in someone that you have hired, then you have to also know that you are controlling their outcome. You're you're not giving them the freedom to succeed. And so a lot of the times, um, to be honest, rather than me acting like I have heard them, which is the truth because I will, I will object. Um, I will sometimes usually more use the line of, look, you, you have entered into a relationship with me. You have clearly um, believed in my skill sets and my experiences and also my ability to achieve your desired outcome. Mm -hmm. You are prescribing your perspectives onto our work. So I have to ask you a question. Did you hire me to simply translate your thoughts or did you hire me to guide the marketing vision? And that generally is where the conversation stops because most founders or most owners or decision makers know that they have hired whoever to get them to do what they do well. And you really have to go, well, if you're just going to put a box around me, then you have to understand the only thing you're going to get is your box. You're not going to get my version of the box. You're just going to get your box. Mm-hmm. And, and that seems like a waste of money. Um, and, uh, and, and that's typically how I have to approach those conversations because it will get to the point where it's just like, Hey, like, thank thank you for the gutter guards, but I got to hit a strike. Right. And if you want to put a gutter guard right in front of me, then I'm not hitting a strike. You've given me the, like, you have not given me the environment to succeed. I think that happens with smaller companies a lot more where they may have hired different people through the years or had different experiences where they were not necessarily charmed with their results. And so there ends up being with a lot of um, founders and entrepreneurs who aren't always very good at vocalizing their true vision overall. And that might be very good at what they're doing, but not necessarily managing other people's or managing something from XYZ, which is the whole reason they're bringing a free, uh, someone in to help as a fractional CMO, where that comes up a lot, where they've gotten bitten and their trust is low. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it comes back to this whole thing uh, where, again, I, I go back to the same point. You have, yeah. you have people who are acting like they're marketers also now hiring marketers. So the question is, is, well, if you're not a marketer, you think you're a marketing. So you interview people as if you are a marketer, but you have no idea what you're marketing at, then you're probably potentially hiring competent people um, because you don't know pointed questions. And it's no different. It's like, it's like, imagine going to a doctor who was never a doctor. Uh, they're going to ask you questions. They might figure out some symptoms, but they're not really going to find out any root causes. Why? Because they're not a doctor. Um, so if you're a marketing person and you think you're a marketing person and you're the owner of a business and you're hiring a marketer, well, you're going to miss out on some core issues Yes. and you're going to get some bad outcomes. And so I always lean on this, leave the ego at the door, hire someone for $150, sit on that call if you're really dead set on hiring someone and just have that person ask questions and literally just say, hey, all I need you to do is tell me, do you really think this person is competent? There's going to be some self-interest involved. Don't get that. Don't get me wrong. That person's probably going to want more of a contract from you. But at the end of the day, at least you have a second opinion. Or if you have a friend, lean on the friend, right? If you don't know marketing, stop acting like you do because you will get burned because it's very easy to lie about marketing. It's very easy to just spin 
on ideas without actually implementing things too. I mean, that's that's something that can come up because ideas are ideas until the same thing that you were saying earlier, if you don't have the right people in place, if you've given them this phenomenal framework to work within, unless you're actually executing it on your side, it's really hard to see, you know, that baby you've sculpted literally being thrown out with the bathwater. Yeah, and, and I nicknamed those people solution suggestors. They're professional solution suggestors, right? It's it's that one friend that goes, oh yeah, that's that's easy. Just do this. And it's like, like yeah, not thanks. easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like your friend who's like the, you know, like a mechanic. It's like, oh yeah, just change the gas pump. Ah, just, just, you know, just change it. It's like, but you know how to do that. I don't. Right. right? That's 10 hours of YouTube tutorial videos and I'm still going to get it wrong. Yeah. And, and, and so in marketing, there are so many people who solutions suggest, right? Oh yeah. CRM is good. Oh yeah. Email is good. Oh yeah. Omni channel is good. Oh yeah. TikTok is good. Oh yeah. Influencer marketing is good. Oh yeah. Community product led growth, all these fancy terms, right? Always have these people. And the fact is for everyone that's listening, it takes one or two years for you to be good at any one of those skill sets. So the fact that you have some person who's like, oh yeah, I do everything and I can do you, I can implement all these things and I know how to do it in and out. The likelihood is they've maybe successfully implemented one of those tactics right. in their entire lifetime, um, unless they're running an agency. Mm-hmm. So there you go in the freelance world. I'm sorry. <laughs> so when you are working to build the team that you now are managing, since you're not throwing out everything of here's your tactical plan, go do it. What type of people are you looking for? I, so when I'm building a team, it really depends on the category, meaning, do I think this is a really complex sale? Mm -hmm. If it's a really, really simple sale, then you're looking at someone different. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first thing is, is really just being honest with yourself. Is this a simple solution or is this something where it is complex and you may need to have like a technical sales member actually come into these calls? If you need a technical sales member to come into calls, then you probably already know you're in a technical industry and therefore you're, you're, you're probably going to need a product marketer to come in to help um, really build out your product marketing roadmap, which includes all your, all your sales enablement tools. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something really simple, um, you could probably hire someone that bridges kind of product marketing and customer success in the sense that this person can be very product led oriented in the sense of building out kind of onboarding materials, videos, walkthroughs, those things are going to be really important. So this is, again, why I say, you know, you can't prescribe a certain person for all these companies because it's all very different in sense of priorities. Um, but the number one thing is, if you don't have materials that speak about your benefits very clearly and prove your benefits out, that's where you need to start. Like, I was literally just on a website where um, someone is hypothetically a competitor of mine, which is fine, let's go ahead, but no case studies, nothing. So they're like, oh yeah, just hire a team. And no then proof. by the way, on my LinkedIn, I have two employees. So you go, well, how, how do you do with the team when you have two employees on LinkedIn? So none of these people that are on the website of which you have 16 of them, for some reason have you on LinkedIn. And you go, well, I don't know how that works. Um, and so the thing is, is that you really want to make sure, and this is something that I talk about, about category benefits is you got to make sure that you can prove your benefits because it's less about what you're selling. And it's more about, can you prove the confidence you can achieve a desired outcome? And if you can't prove that and you can't do that, well, you're probably not going to get the sale, 
right? So, so I, I think that's really where I focus on a lot of product stuff. What are other mistakes that fractional CMOs make that you see? Oh, um, I think one of the things is actually just pushback. Um, I think being afraid of C- it or not pushing back, not pushing back. I think that's the biggest thing, actually. I think fractional CMOs get bullied. Um, and I think CMOs in general get bullied. Um, and I think what ends up happening often is they are pushed into tactics, again, that are prescribed mm-hmm. and not necessarily a focus. And it's really important, I think, for the sanity and also the sake of the, someone's own reputation and performance to really push back when it's required. They're often pushed to do far too many channels, far too many tactics, create far too many different assets. And they really do that sometimes when there's a lipstick on the pig, meaning there is no good product marketing. There are no good case studies. There are no good testimonials. There are no, there are no core things that are needed in order for marketing to do well. And so sometimes these people are just performing poorly because they're just getting pushed around by a whole bunch of different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot in a lot of organizations. And then the stakeholders end up getting frustrated because they have put this person to a task of doing, but they haven't realized that they have spent this person's time of doing and overseeing and managing, having them instead run circles. Yeah. And and I think this again goes back to the fact that marketers are the bane of our own existence in the sense that Marketers make it harder to become a marketer. We make things so easy. If you go to anyone else in the organization and you show them the actual responsibility chart of what marketing needs to take care of, the various tools that we're required to be quote unquote champions or specialists in, Mm -hmm. it is far more than any other part of the organization. We have to deal with GDPR. We have to deal with the MarStack. We have to deal with retargeting. We have to deal with the website. We have to design with potentially different uh, d- different languages every time we translate assets. Sales, w- what do you do? You go through your CRM, you make calls, you follow up with people. It's the same people, the same process, the same systems. You send every, them a proposal. You change yeah. your proposal software. You change the, yeah, right. And then for us, it's like every six months, we're forced with a new tool that we got to use. Why? Because some other marketer has sold it to your stakeholder group and that stakeholder push is now pushing it down your throat. Like AI, like AI, right. You know, like, like, like how fast was it when, you know, everyone was like, if you're not doing AI, you're fired. So, so now, now we have to be prompt specialists. We, we as marketers have to learn how to do prompts. No one else in the organization has to do prompts, but we have to do the prompts. And so this is what I mean. Like there is a, there is generally a gross underestimation of the amount of work that is required for a CMO to actually know to do their job well. Right. And, and uh, I don't think other departments or other functions really appreciate that um, because, you know, it's nice to be a CFO. You kind of deal with the same things all day long. It's Numbers nice are sales. black and white and it's easy. And you use your whatever software from QuickBooks and beyond. And that tells you the story a lot more than what marketing does. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, you know, I would almost akin it to the level of compliance. Like if you're like a chief compliance officer for anything that's sensitive, like that, this, that's probably the level of complexity that marketing has to deal with, especially on an international level. Yeah. That's like how many things are moving. And I really don't think people see it like that. Right. So if you could, 
explain to future entrepreneurs and founders of companies who might consider hiring, whether it's a fractional or time CMO, what advice would you give them? I think you don't need to have a fractional CMO anytime soon. Um, if you're just starting your business, what I would really, really recommend is book a time. And I guess this is self-promotion. You can book a time with me. You can book a time with anyone in Fiverr, just for the love of God, please review their resume. So don't take bad advice from someone who's never had experience, mm -hmm. but book, book the time, book the one hour call, go through your business, walk through your category, explain what you're doing and get the advice from someone who's probably done it either in your industry or has scaled something. Mm -hmm. um, from there, that's going to set your priorities. And then from your priorities, you can figure out really what you need. Um, I, I always talk about like marketing is more of a priority game than it is anything else. It's more just like, what can we do and what can we do well? And so my recommendation is, is don't, don't just, this, don't read. Every blog is going to be self-serving. Every video about something is going to be self-serving. Just know this one fact, every channel, every tactic in marketing works. The question is, is whether or not you have the ability to exe execute on that task or asset or strategy or whatever to the nth amount, and you're actually going to get that outcome, right? So rather than trying to figure that out yourself, go talk to an expert. They'll give you the priority, and then you can decide which one of those maybe three priorities you can actually execute well, and then execute on that. Don't jump into TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and all these other things. Don't start building reels for the sake of building reels. Don't start building a community for the sake of building a community. Figure out if that's what you need today, because again, you have limited time, you have limited capital, and you have limited human capital as well. So those are the things that you have to be mindful of. Nathan, how can our listeners find you if they do want to reach out and have that call? Sure. Um, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at fya.marketingbytes with a Y. Um, that's where we're hosting some of our videos. Or you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, my name, Nathan Young, spelled Y-E-U-N-G as my last name. And or you can just go to our website at www.findyouraudience.online. I know it's really long, but you're probably not going to forget. And it'll also be in the show notes for this podcast. So if you're walking your dog or driving your car, you'll be able to find it. That won't be an issue. And so with all of that, and knowing that there's a lot of mistakes that people can make on both sides, right? So whether you are positioning yourself as a fractional CMO or someone who can help and maybe you are not quite ready to do that, or whether you are a founder entrepreneur and you are ready to have some help, um, what would be the biggest piece of advice you would give? More so for the founder entrepreneur. The founder and entrepreneur. Um, the biggest advice is actually what we use um, during our discovery, and, and it's a core part of our framework. And it's really to think about two things, um, sustainability and practicality. Sustainability is, can you do whatever you're doing for a consistent period of time? And this is very much everything in life. If you can't practice the guitar every single day, you're never going to get good at it. If you can't if you can't practice whatever marketing tactic you're planning to do, you're probably not going to be good at it. Um, and the second thing is, is it practical? Um, is it something that you can effectively do? Uh, another example is if you think that conferences are the best thing, but you're scared of flying planes or being in planes, you're probably not going to a lot of conferences. 
Um, so really just dumbing it down to think about all the assets and, and tactics that you can do that are sustainable and practical and prioritize based on that. Because if you really don't have anything, that's the best thing you can do. And whether that's emailing, cold calling, going to conferences, making uh, making sales calls, um, you know, doing more campaigns, doing whatever, just you have to be able to consistently do it and do it well. And if you really can't do both, like you're going to be struggling. So just go back to the basics and don't don't follow the, the shiny objects. The, the shiny objects work sometimes if you're lucky, but they're they're often not the best place to start. Yeah. And I think the other thing I would add to that is a sense of realism. The fact that things don't happen just overnight. It takes time. You decide that you want to create a newsletter and a blog. You're going to have to build your audience. You're going to have to get content out there. You're going to have to have Google actually ingest your content so that it knows where to serve you. You're going to have to figure out ways to get it out there. And I'm just using this as an example in general because it can apply to anything that you have to get that rinse and repeat. You have to keep going on it. You have to keep fine tuning it. And it might not be perfect. And you're also going to have to realize that, that you're you're aiming for success and perfection, but you're going to be learning a lot along the way. So it's also teaching you how to get to that success. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the one thing is that is very humbling is when I started FYA.MarketingBytes on Instagram, I had no followers. And that is incredibly discouraging. <laughs> like for any of you that plan to do that and plan to create content yourself, remember, including Stacy, at one point, Stacy probably had one listener. And that is the Stacy had zero people following her blog for the first probably year. Stacy wrote a blog every single solitary week. So, and then all of a sudden it was over 10,000 people. And then it was like 30,000 people. And it, it, took a long time. We started writing blogs in 2012. I started this podcast over five, six years ago. Like it takes a lot of rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. And you are in a siloed world thinking that no one is listening until they are. Yeah. And and that goes back. Can you sustain it? And can you do it well? And 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 if you can't, then, then really, really, you'll have to take a closer look at whether or not you should continue that tactic. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that you uh, think people hear the word fractional CMO and they're like, what the hell is that? So thank you for clearing up a bit of that and also for sharing, you know, where things can go wrong and how entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs can maybe take a moment and um, give a little bit of freedom to those that they hire after doing due diligence that they're good to hire. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show today, Stacey. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you have any interest in getting your brand embedded into the hottest content in Hollywood, movies and TV shows, music videos, reach out to me or reach out to our team and we will connect and chat about how you can use third parties to leverage your content and get you in front of millions of eyes. Have a great one.